Are you a good prayer? Do you find that you pray often? You hear of some need or have some need of your own and immediately you turn it into prayer? Or is prayer something that gets delayed a bit in your life and and maybe as you're dealing with something or hear about something, maybe later on you think, oh yeah, you know what, I I should pray about this. Or do you find that maybe prayer is something that becomes a something of a last resort for you? When, when things really aren't looking that good or nothing else has worked, you say, finally, well, you know, I better give this to the Lord. And what do you pray for? Do you ever wonder if you should be praying for something? Maybe what you're praying for isn't the right thing? Or what happens when your prayer doesn't get answered, or at least you don't get the answer that you were looking for or hoping for? Do you start to wonder if maybe you were praying the wrong way? Or maybe you should get some more people to pray and really bombard God's throne with that request? Or maybe you start to wonder even if prayer works at all. The point with all those questions is sometimes we have doubts about prayer. Well, continuing our series of messages now on doubt-busting, today we want to talk about busting any doubts we have about prayer. And we can do that simply by looking at the power of prayer itself. Have you ever had some kind of a project that you were busy uh, doing? Having to, you know, assemble something, one of those kits you get at the store. And of course it comes with a a little instruction booklet. And, And you look at that booklet and you look at all the parts and you scratch your head and you go, you know, I don't think I can figure this out. Sometimes the instructions are kind of complicated. Now, maybe you're the kind of person who doesn't need that instruction booklet, and you know exactly what to do. Just by looking at all the parts, you know how to put it together. But then again, if it doesn't work, you know, last resort, follow the directions, because it finally should help you put everything together. Well, maybe that's the way it is with prayer, too. You know, prayer seems like such a simple thing, right? It's simply talking to God, bringing our requests to him. What's so hard about that? But then when things don't seem to be working out or or we have some questions that come up about prayer, where do we go for advice? Well, we'll turn to the scriptures, right? Today I want to take you into the book of James, which is a great, simple book. He addresses what I call practical Christianity, about what we should believe and what we should do. And one of the topics that he treats right away, and in fact treats in several different places throughout the letter, is how to pray to God. Now it's interesting that in the very beginning of his letter, he's already pointing out something for us, and that is that we have some problems with prayer. And the first problem that he identifies is simply this. We tend to doubt the results that we'll get. In other words, we're faced with a particular situation, and maybe we see how it's been going on. It's been going on for a while. We see what's happened in other people's life. And we kind of doubt that it's going to change. And we'll say, okay, I know I should pray. And so I pray, but then we pray with doubt because we don't think it's really going to matter. That's what James was addressing with his readers. Here's what he said. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, 
because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So just like a wave is very easily blown around by the wind, so he said that's the way we can be sometimes with our faith, with our thinking in regard to prayer. We can be so easily blown around, either by what's happening or what's not happening, what we have seen done before, our own experiences. He said all of those doubts just blow us all over the place. And then he says we end up being unstable which simply means you're not on a firm foundation. It's like this. If you've ever gone to the grocery store and you're walking into the house with, with bags loaded with groceries and you want to set them down, maybe you're going to put them on the counter or on the table, you always make sure, don't you, that they make it all the way on the table or counter? You don't want them just hanging half off because you know what will happen. Crash all over. Or like here up on the altar, you know, I want to make sure that I'm standing where it's... Uh, got a big area and not wander off here where there's nothing there. When we take our eyes off the foundation, then things become unstable. And that's what James was saying. You see, his readers were going through a difficult time. As often happened with the early Christians, they were going through persecution. And he was telling them, don't take your eyes off the foundation. When you're praying about this, don't doubt the result. The foundation was, Jesus is your Savior. God loves you, and he's got a will and plan for your life. So don't take your eyes off that and become unstable in your praying. Now what he goes on to point out is that sometimes we get fooled by the circumstances that are going on around us. That is, there are things that are going on that are, that are bad, that aren't the way we think they should be, and so that fools us to think, well, prayer doesn't work then, because nothing has changed. Now, it could be with your health, it could be with your finances, with your job, with relationships, whatever it might be, when those things are going bad and don't seem to be getting better, even when you're praying, you get fooled. Fooled to think prayer doesn't work, God doesn't listen, God doesn't care, or maybe this is the way God wants it to be, but I can't accept that. And so we get fooled. So James, in his instruction to his readers, was telling them, well, when you pray about a situation, pray for wisdom. Here's what he said. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And he said, that's wisdom. To see what God is doing in those circumstances that are hard to understand. God is working. So don't doubt the prayer. Don't be fooled by the circumstances. God is blessing you. Of course, what could be lying behind that is another problem he points out we have in prayer, and that is sometimes we pray with wrong motives. He stated it real bluntly a little later on in his letter. He writes, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get 
on your pleasures. You see, at, at the very heart of this problem is the problem of the heart. That we're not praying for the right things. That we are praying for things that are outside of God's will. Now, we might wonder, well, what is God's will? I'll address that in a second. But what he's pointing out here is sometimes we're praying for selfish reasons. Sometimes we won't admit that. Or sometimes it's just hard for us to see that. But I highlight it with with the term a a give-me prayer. Give me. Give me this, Lord. Give me that. And sometimes we'll, we'll try to add a pure motive to it. Lord, if you give me this, then I will do this for you. You try to bargain. You see, what we're trying to do is make our will done in heaven instead of asking for God's will to be done on earth. Now, sometimes we may ask with a wrong motive that comes from a heart that's, that's upset, that's complaining, that's dissatisfied with the way things are going. And then we complain to God, and we want things changed to be according to what we want. All of that are simple examples of what it would be to be praying with a a wrong motive. But that brings up the question that he also addresses. Well, then, I don't know what I should pray for. Or I don't know if I should even be praying. Have you ever had that go on? If I'm praying for this, is that wrong? If I pray for this, is that right? If I pray for that, is it right? Some things are obviously wrong according to God's will, which is stated so summarily for us in the Ten Commandments. If we're praying for something that violates those commandments, that's wrong. Sometimes there are things that we're praying for, we don't know how that fits into God's will. Should I be praying that the candidate that I voted for becomes the elected one? Should I pray that this decision I'm going to make about spending this big amount of money on something is the right decision? You see, sometimes we don't always know if what we're praying for is the right thing. Then, of course, we might think, just like the bills in Congress, you know, where they add a bunch of things on. Well, what if I'm praying for the wrong thing? Does that mean all the other things I've been praying for are going to get vetoed also? (laughs) Boy, there should be a lot of doubts, a lot of questions that come to mind about prayer. So what do we pray for? Well, again, just looking at that list that James gave us before that we heard, he says, are you in trouble? And pray. Are you happy? Pray. Are you sick? Pray and seek some medical help. Have you sinned? Confess it to God and pray. And pray for others. Well, that's a pretty good list to look at right there to know what to pray for. But let's face it. In something as simple and as blessed as prayer, we have some doubts about it. So what do we do? How do we treat it? Years ago, when I was the principal of our Lutheran High School in Southern California, one of the teachers called me, called the office, 
And she said, can you come down here? I can't get my overhead projector to work, and I just can't get my lesson done then without that projector. So I went down to her classroom. And as I walked in the classroom, she just started to complain. Everything around here doesn't work. I don't understand. Why can't we get better equipment at this school? And then I plugged it into the wall, and it worked. (laughs) I shared that to point out this as you maybe noted from the outline, it's the problem we have with prayer. There's nothing wrong with prayer. Prayer works, as I'll demonstrate in a minute. It's the problems we have in using it or how we think about it. You see, doubts erode our faith. Just like a water, stream of water is going to erode the soil, a hill, or whatever it might be. So doubts just start to eat away at our faith. And when that happens, then our faith and our actions stop. In other words, we start giving up on prayer. And worse than that, we're missing out those opportunities that God has presented to us to come to him with our requests and are are missing out on receiving the blessings he wants to give us. For he said, you don't have because you're not asking. But even worse than that is what happens when those doubts start to affect our faith and God's goodness and his love for us. So how do we fix it? Go to Jesus who is the perfect prayer. Look at how he prayed. In the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's starting to feel the guilt of the sins of the whole world, and he had never had sin before, what does he do? He goes to his father. And while he's praying that this cup of suffering could pass from him, he's only praying, but as your will can be done. When Jesus was being crucified, what does he do? He prays. Prays for the very people who are mocking him and killing him. You can look at various aspects of his ministry. When Jesus is praying, he's praying for others in their needs. He's praying for their faith, for their physical well-being. He's ultimately praying, as we heard before, for the glory of God through the accomplishment of salvation. He was the perfect prayer. And Jesus' perfect praying covers over all of our imperfect prayers. And more than that, Jesus' prayers were for us. That prayer of forgiveness on the cross was for us, too. Jesus prays so that we will be blessed. That's where we start with understanding the power behind prayer. Look at what Jesus did with that. And look at how Jesus blesses us through his prayers. Okay, but the problem here is with me. With my doubts about prayer. How do I handle that? Well, as I've been teaching you through this message, through these series, ABC. First of all, answer or address that doubt with fact. 
with the facts of the scriptures, what God says about it, and accept it with your faith so that you will be, believe God over it. Uh, the situation may fool us. Our own thoughts may bring questions up about it, but believe what God says about it over against those doubts. Remembering God's ways are not your ways, and his thoughts are beyond our thoughts. And remembering that God can do anything, even what we think is impossible. Believe what God says. And then, see, change that doubt into a blessing. Make that truth work for you. Use that truth and share that truth with others. So let's take that and let's apply it now to those doubts about prayer. And that's what James does. He brings us right back to the very promises of God about prayer. And that's what will bust those doubts. So what promises does he give us? After he just told us about, here are things you should pray for, here's the encouragement he gives us. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, I know that sometimes when, when we want to pray about something, we have something we need help with, we often ask other people to pray for us too. And that's good, because God urges us to do that. But let's not think that unless I get a whole bunch of people praying, it's not going to work. Somebody recently came up to me, and not anybody from the church here. They came up and they, and they asked me, would you pray for my son who is sick? I'm trying to get 100 people to pray for my son. And I said, Bill, I definitely will pray, but just know that even your prayer is enough. That little word, a righteous person. Just one. Just one person praying is powerful and effective. But maybe it's the next word that bothers you, that word righteous. Because you might think, well, I'm not righteous, Pastor. I'm a sinner. How can I go to God requesting things when I'm just messed up in things? How can I go to him when I have these doubts about prayer? Because you're not the righteous person. It's the just one who makes your prayer powerful and effective. Jesus. It's his prayers. It's his prayer life that replaces your weak prayer life. It's his death on the cross that paid for the penalty of all your sins. You aren't kept from God's throne anymore. That curtain in the temple was ripped in two when Jesus died because God was saying, you can come to me. His resurrection burst the chains of death. You're not held back from God. And his ascension assures us he's in heaven, interceding for you now. It's because of that righteous one and your faith in that righteous one that you too are a righteous one. And so your prayers are powerful and effective. In the Greek that word was pronounced like we would have the word energize. That's what it sounded like. Your prayers are energized. 
Now, when we think of energy, we think of something like electricity, right? It's buzzing all around this room. It powers the lights, it powers the screens, it powers the instruments, this microphone. Man, we use electricity all the time. Well, there's an energy that accompanies our prayers. It's the power of God. The best story, the best illustration of that is what James gave us after he gave us this promise. He said, look at Elijah. He was a human being just like you are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Wow. Prayer worked. What is that power that energizes prayer? It's God. Prayer works because God works. So start with that promise first to bust any doubts you have about prayer not working. Now, James gives us another promise to hang on to. Oh, and I got to say this. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I taught us to, to remember this, to help bust doubts. God says it. God means it, so God does it. Let's say that. God says it, God means it, God does it. Now, the second promise James gives us about prayer is that the answer is always right, so trust it. Going back to the very beginning, when he was encouraging his readers not to pray with doubt, he reminded them of this promise. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God only answers with blessings. Now, sometimes we pray with heavy hearts, with, with doubts, with worries, with fears. Don't let those things keep you from coming to God. Because he will always hear and answer with what is best. Only good and perfect gifts come from him. Jesus illustrated that with this little story. He said, who among you, if his son asks him for bread, would give him a stone? Or who, if his son asked for a fish, would give him a snake? Then if you know how to give good gifts to your children, even though you are evil... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God only gives what's good and best, so trust. So let's say it. God says it, God means it, God does it. And finally, Jesus himself gives us this encouragement to pray according to his will. And when we do, then we know we will be blessed. Jesus' words of promise were this. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now sometimes we think, wow, anything? You mean all I need to do is... In Jesus' name I pray this, and that prayer is going to zip right up there and come right back answered? When he says, pray in my name, it isn't just tagging on that little phrase, in Jesus' name I pray. It means I'm praying with faith 
in his promise, with faith in his will and wisdom. I'm praying for his will to be done. Pray according to his will and you will be blessed. Let's say it. God says it. God means it. So God does it. You know, we're used to having things not work in life. You can buy something. You think it's going to work. This is what they advertised. doesn't work. You ask somebody to do something. They don't do it. So it's understandable how sometimes we could think or have doubts that this isn't going to happen, that prayer isn't going to work. But remember the promise of the power of prayer and what Jesus says about it. Pray with his promise in mind. Keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep seeking, and you will find. Keep knocking, and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. That's how you can be a good prayer. Amen.